Hello and welcome back to the Making Tape podcast. So today I'm joined by Lauren, who's the founder of Pantor Kitchen. And you'll find her doing gluten-free, soy-free and plant-based recipes. And I thought it'd be great to kind of get Lauren on to kind of share her experience about plant-based recipes because it's something I absolutely knew nothing about. So it was a really, really insightful episode for me to kind of find out about the reasons she kind of chose to kind of change her diet. And it was really fascinating to find out how Lauren kind of got diagnosed with allergies. But it was also like a really honest and open podcast where we kind of spoke about her mental health and how we both put like so much pressure on ourselves. And um, in terms of like the way we manage our mental health and we both feel really anxious at times. So it was great to kind of hear from like Lauren's experiences of how she kind of manages that and she told me like a Royal Navy kind of breathing technique which I'm going to take forward next time I do feel really anxious and yeah it was just a really really kind of open and honest podcast and I feel like this podcast is going to resonate with so many people so yeah but just before I jump into it this episode is brought to you by Healthy Nibbles and they've done a free from allergy snap box that is completely allergen safe and free from all the top 14 major allergens i'll leave a link in the description in this podcast and there'll also be a link in my bio on income so yeah make sure to check it out and finally if you get a chance to write me a quick review on itunes i really appreciate it now let's grab a cup of tea get yourself comfy and let's get straight to the podcast hello and welcome back to another making saying podcast and today i'm joined by lauren who's a founder of plentiful kitchen where you'll find her doing gluten-free soy-free and plant-based recipes we met in Clubhouse, which is kind of the new audio social media app, which everyone's using now. And I was kind of searching for allergy accounts and come across Lauren's account and we kind of connected on Instagram. So yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's been so nice to meet you. I'm always excited to meet others who are allergic to food too. It's a lot of fun to connect. Absolutely. Um, shall we talk about how we met as well? Because obviously everybody's using like Clubhouse now, which is kind of this audio base social media app. Have you been using it much to kind of meet people and kind of listen to people's experiences? Yes, I'm honestly loving Clubhouse lately. The first time I went on it, I didn't really get it. And that's very common. You know, when you go on something for the first time, think about going on Instagram for the first time years ago, we were like, what is this? You know, so um, Clubhouse is the best way to describe is like a live podcast, I think. And it's a lot of fun because I've been able to network with so many people, especially food bloggers. Um, It's been quite fun to meet people who have been food blogging for 10 plus years. I use it for my job. I use it for my blog. I use it just to connect with others who have allergies. So I'm really enjoying it so far. I spend a few hours each week on it. I was going to say, I always like get notifications on my phone and it's always like come up, say like, join this room. Have you have you actually set up like your, your own room with like fellow kind of um, allergy bloggers or food bloggers to kind of talk about your experience? Yes. Yeah, so I started my own club and it's called the Gluten-Free Food and Health Club. And really, I, I called it that because I am gluten-free, but it's really just a special diets club for anyone, whether it's just someone who's allergic to different foods, or if it's a food blogger who they specifically blog about allergy-friendly recipes. So it's really open to anyone who's interested in food, health, allergies, etc. So I've met a few other bloggers and will sometimes host rooms in there that are really specific to tips of what we eat, what brands are our favorites, how we manage going to restaurants and traveling, things like that. And then I also do host on Fridays for my job, um, specifically content creation tips, a club around that. 
And then I'll, I'll also co-host in some other people's clubs that are just around food blogging, productivity, some of my favorite topics. That's amazing. You sound very busy then. <laughs> um, kind of, yeah, doing all this stuff. I was going to say, do you have to, because I, I, was, I was looking at like setting up my own kind of like group on it. Do you have to do so many, do you have to set up so many groups and so you can kind of start your own house on Clubhouse? Exactly. So I believe you just have to host or co-host in a certain amount of rooms before you can do it. I think they recently changed it. So I would just check on their frequently asked questions on their site. But I want to say before it was, you had to host about three rooms. And then once you do that, you're allowed to do a club. But I will say Clubhouse is very addicting because it is audio. So it's the type of thing that you can do while you're multitasking. Um, So I have limited myself. I have said (laughs) I will. Yeah, I'm like, I will host three rooms a week max, unless there's something that I really want to do. And then last week, for example, I I had a lot going on. So I said, you know what, I'm only going to host one room this week. Um, So I would definitely recommend setting boundaries. (laughs) I'm so, I'm I'm actually so fascinated by it because I've been listening to quite a few now and I've kind of delved in, but I've never actually created a room for myself. Would you say it's very different to, for example, a podcast because you can actually like get the the guests involved or people listening to kind of ask questions? So it's it's really nice because it's like a podcast, but it's interactive. So what you just said, you can guests can come up on stage um, and you get to choose who can come up. So people will raise their hand and then you can pull someone up on stage and see if they have a question, if they have a tip that they want to contribute. So say that you and I had one. I'll definitely have to have you. Um, host one in, in my club for sure. So we'll do Absolutely, one about yeah. allergies. Yeah, that would be a ton of fun. And then we can bring people up on stage if someone's like, hey, like I just got diagnosed with a peanut allergy. What tips do you have? So that's really fun to connect with different people. And I I think that for me too, the reason I love it so much is I love helping other people. I'm really passionate about that, um, especially with health issues. I struggled my whole life and I wish that I had someone who had helped me earlier uh, and I, I had to kind of be my own advocate. So I think it's so fun to be able to connect with others, help them, teach them and learn yourself too. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it sounds it's so interesting. So yeah, definitely um, give me a heads up and I'd love to kind of join one of your rooms one time. And, and I think it was what, quite interesting as well. You obviously um, ended up changing your diet to a plant-based diet. Um, I mean, could you talk a little bit about sales and myself and the listeners? Because I actually don't really know too much about like a plant-based diet. So it'd be great to kind of get your insight into that and how kind of ended up changing your diet. For sure. So if you knew me about 10 years ago, you would never, ever guess that I would eat a plant-based diet. I ate ribs multiple times a week. I ate wings. I ate a very, very like paleo diet, I guess you could call it paleo diet. um, And it was just meat heavy. So I wasn't a big fan of vegetables uh, and it it was just a struggle for me because I, I found out I was allergic to gluten. So I thought there's no way I could ever eat vegetarian or anything like that. I just need to eat meat and things that I know don't contain anything else. So um, I actually came home one day when I was about, I don't know, maybe 20, 22, something yeah. around there. And I just decided to watch this new Netflix documentary that came out that was called What the Health. My mom had always been trying to get me to eat vegetarian and reduce my meat intake, but sometimes you have to hear it from someone else than your family too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> get the actual <laughs> push. Like. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's mad, isn't it? Um, I remember there's one, right? It's so funny you mentioned that because I remember like maybe like two Christmases ago, my mom watched a, a Netflix documentary called 
Um, it was another like a plant eater one. Is game it? changers. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And she was like, Dan, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. And to this day, I've still not watched it. I'm actually really like angry at myself. I do need to watch it at some point. Watch one. You got to watch Game Changers. That is the best. Yeah. And they was like, my mum was like saying, oh, like, you have like so much more energy. Um, when I think it was talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, who kind of changes his diet. Do you feel like since changing your diet to a plant-based diet, has that give you a kind of more energy? Have you kind of noticed the difference? Yes, I've noticed a huge difference. When I used to eat meat, um, you know, like a steak for dinner or something like that, I would crash after every single meal. I would just feel really tired after and sluggish and I would feel a lot of fatigue. Um, and then since switching to plant-based and I'm eating a lot of chickpeas and beans and veggies and everything, and I eat a huge quantity, I never feel tired after a meal. I've noticed it too. Like when I go with friends, um, obviously not, not much anymore because yeah. of COVID, but <laughs> when I, you know, when I would go to, with uh, a friend to a restaurant and they would get something that was meat heavy and I would get something that was plant-based they would always be so tired after and, or they would say, Oh, like my stomach hurts or, Oh, yeah. I'm so sleepy. And I was just like, Oh, I, I feel great. Like I feel good to go. So that's been a nice bonus definitely because I am an athlete too. Like I, um, you know, I played sports my whole life. I played soccer, tennis, golf, um, lots of different things. I like to be outside. And so it's nice to have a lot of sustainable energy versus how I used to crash a lot too. Absolutely. I was going to say with my allergies, I'm allergic to like all nuts. Would I struggle if I one day kind of decided to change my diet to a plant-based diet? Would I struggle having a nut allergy and kind of changing my diet? I don't think you would, honestly. There, I, I will admit there are a lot of good options in plant-based diets that are based from nuts and derived from things like that. But I thought the same thing because I'm allergic to soy and gluten, right? And yeah. things like tofu and seitan and all of these proteins that people talk about, those are exactly derived from soy and gluten. So I can't have any of those. But a lot of the things that are derived from nuts, for example, they're overly processed. So you don't really want to be eating stuff like that anyway yeah. all the time. So I feel like you would be totally fine. The biggest thing is making sure that you're getting a good diversity of foods. So that would mean eating things like chickpeas and beans and um, legumes like lentils. So yeah. good. Like there's so many fun yeah. things that you can try. Kind of give you the kind of inspiration then to kind of set up the Plantiful Kitchen back in 2017. Yeah. So before that I had a, a food blog, um, just like really, it was more of just an, on Instagram. I hadn't started a website yet and it was called organic foodie eats. And it was just around how, um, my fiance, Jimmy and I, we, we cook a ton. We're both huge fans of cooking and I come from an Italian background where, you know, my, my grandma was always cooking and everything. Yeah. So that really inspired me. Um, and so we both really enjoy that. So our friends would always ask us like, you know, you're right out of college and everyone's like, Hey, like, how do I cook? I don't know how to cook. Your yeah. meals always look so good. Can you guys post them? So we started posting things. And at that point I had a very different diet. It was again, like more of the paleo diet. Um, and so at that point I decided when I saw that documentary, I made a switch, you know, over a month, I really changed everything that we were doing. 
So I was like, I don't really feel like this name aligns with what the brand is anymore. Yeah. So I decided that I wanted to start my own blog and call it Planivore Kitchen um, and just show being plant-based. I, I try to stay away, although my recipes are technically all vegan. I try to stay away from that because I feel like when you have allergies, you already have so many labels, right? That you're like, I can't have nuts. Like yeah. I can't have gluten. I can't have soy. So I don't think I, I want to throw another label on. So I just like to say plant-based. And I think that that's a, a, a much nicer way to do it and giving yourself some grace too. Because if I go to an event and there is absolutely nothing that I can eat that's aligns with my allergies, you know, like I have to, I have yeah. to pick something to eat. Um, so obviously our allergies always come first, but it has been really fun to, to switch to a plant-based diet. And it's been quite easy at home to cook that way. I was going to say as well, when, when you did start the book, was there like many other people kind of talking about plant-based diet? Cause it's only something I've only kind of come to light, like you said, through like Netflix and these documentaries now, which are kind of talking about the benefits to change the plant-based diet. But maybe a few years ago was, was there many other bloggers like yourself kind of talking about it online and sharing their recipes? There were definitely some, and it was mostly like the ones who were going by vegan. Um, so, and that can be, vegan can be a little stricter, right? Because that's about typically about a whole lifestyle that like, you're yeah. not buying leather and all that stuff. So that's a big uh, commitment there too, which I do try to do those things just naturally. Cause I love to be sustainable and I love animals, but again, I don't like labels. Um, so at that time, I didn't see many others who were doing plant-based and gluten-free and soy-free. Soy-free and plant-based you don't see very often, honestly, because there are so many soy-based things uh, in a plant-based diet or a vegan diet. So I I do regret, honestly, because uh, when I started this in 2017, I worked in sales and I had a crazy schedule with my work. It was just crazy. <laughs> so, uh, I really regret that I wasn't able to spend more time in the beginning because I even noticed lately, like with the pandemic and everything like that, so many people are starting food blogs. So it's a very Absolutely, competitive yeah. space. <laughs> I can't imagine obviously with like, like the amount of like new food blog pages. I have a, um, one of the girls at work, like she's just started a food blog, but she's absolutely like smashing it. And like she's she's already grew like six thousand followers over like six weeks or seven weeks. I'm like, what? I was like, how is that possible? Um, but yeah, no, it's amazing. But yeah, I can imagine like the kind of it must be so many food blogs and everyone having their own say, and it's kind of finding your kind of tone of voice. I've noticed that you do like a lot of like short form videos, kind of showing the recipes. Was that something which kind of naturally evolved um, on Instagram when you're kind of sharing your different recipes online? Yeah. So I work for, um, an app called jump rope and it's available like on iPhone and Android and it's free. But what it is, is it's an easy way to create video content. And before I started to work with them right before the pandemic happened last year, I took a look at how can I stand out in the food blog space and on Instagram too. This was before reels came out and it was yeah. when TikTok was like just starting to be popular. So I saw that it was really leaning towards video. People want video. Um, they love it, especially for recipes. They love to be able to follow along and it's fun. So I started creating my own video content myself and it was taking hours and hours and hours to edit it. And it was yeah. just not sustainable for me. And then I started working with 
uh, I actually, I found jump rope. Like I found the app because I was looking for ways to make video faster and I loved it so much that I reached out to their CEO and that's how I started working with them. I'm, I run their whole food community now, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, but really that, that sparked me like getting into video and sparked my passion for it. I was always terrified of being on camera. I was like, yeah. you know, like uh, it's Show, like showcasing, like, yeah, like kind of like showcasing yourself and your personality and you're like, oh my God, are people going to like me? Uh, uh, people might not resonate with me, but yeah, I think it's so important kind of taking that first step um, and kind of getting yourself out there. Exactly. It's really hard to do the first few. And I look back at some of the things I did like last year and I'm like, Dude, oh my gosh, I was. I cringe all the time. Yeah. I, I, I remember watching my first video like, a few weeks back. And I was like, oh my God, it's so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But we are our own worst critic 100% because Absolutely. people people are so kind. Like they will, I don't think I've ever gotten a negative comment on my videos. Like people will just, they're so appreciative, honestly, that you're, they know that video is not easy, I think. So they're a lot more kind and appreciative um, versus some of my photos. I feel like I've posted a photo before and someone will kind of leave. I'm lucky. I don't really get many mean comments, you know, on my social media currently, (laughs) but you know, people will just be a little bit more critical on a photo, I think, because it's one still frame that they're staring at versus a video. Like it doesn't need to be perfect. That's what I've learned. I I am a bit of a perfectionist, so I struggled with that, but I have learned it's just better to get something posted and out there than to feel like it is absolutely perfect because that holds yourself back a lot. So that's something I, I really work on definitely too, because I think video is lucrative. And if you can be consistently posting that, you're going to grow. It's 100% right now. Instagram is pushing it. TikTok is pushing it. It's the new thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've noticed a difference, like just with like reels, like it's all it is, is like a short, like everybody knows reels now, but it's like 15 second video, but like the amount of like reach you can do now and like you can help people just by doing a short video. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I think it's like you say, it's so important. Like, I think video content, definitely short form video content is definitely kind of the way forward um, this year. And like you said, like people kind of come in overnight successes on TikTok, which is, I can't get my head around. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. It really is. I'm, I'm trying to understand TikTok right now. That's one of my things that I'm focusing on a bit with my blog because I... I just didn't get it. I, I felt like this is for people who are in in high school, you know, I just don't understand it. All of the people that I know that are like my sister's age or or my um, you know, stepbrother's age are are doing it and I just didn't didn't get it. But now I'm starting to post on it and I'm starting to really understand like some of the trends. So I see the potential. Like I see that people are growing, like you're saying, overnight pretty much. So I'm going to continue to to give it some shots too. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, f- I find with me for TikTok, I feel like I've got like a, a community on Instagram, but then I feel like I don't really have that on TikTok. And I've got nearly like the same amount of followers, but I feel like I don't have that same connection to the community. It's, it's, it's a bit, it's so different. I find it really hard to like kind of build a really strong community. And I don't know whether that, because my content needs to be different on TikTok. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it, how it kind of works for each different platform? Yeah, I I would agree. I think that if you look at it from the perspective of TikTok, the, the homepage is your For You page, which 
it's not necessarily people you follow. So it's very different than Instagram, right? Because you come onto TikTok and they're feeding you people who you don't follow specifically. And I think that 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 does affect the community thing because you're not just looking at the same people's content like you would be on Instagram. So that's something that I've struggled with a little bit too in understanding. But I think if you look at TikTok more from the perspective of just viral and like pushing people to either your website or your podcast or your other content elsewhere, I think it can be pretty lucrative. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to see long-term what they do to make more of a community. Absolutely. And I thought it'd be so interesting, obviously, when I kind of listened to one of your talks on Clubhouse, and we kind of touched upon it earlier, but you kind of worked in sales. And I thought it was so interesting. You kind of spoke about, obviously, you studying computer science and kind of working in sales and kind of following your passion. But I think the one thing that kind of really stood out to me was you kind of spoke about not chasing the money and kind of following your passion. Did you find it quite hard making that transition from kind of being in sales and then trying to get in in marketing? Yeah. So sales is really great if you want to make money, honestly, because you have a quota. And if you, if you meet your quota, if you're a hardworking person, if you exceed your quota, you can make a lot of money in sales and that's great, but it is not a sustainable, in my opinion, it's not a sustainable role long-term because it's really draining. Um, so I decided I was so unhappy, honestly, even though I was having a lot of success, I was just horribly unhappy. So I thought, what, what do I like about my job? Like what things do I enjoy? I kept noticing that I was trying in my spare time so badly to start this food blog and really get it off the ground. And I loved marketing. I I loved, um, advising in social media, helping with that type of stuff. So I said, all right, you know what? I'm, (laughs) I am fed up with this. I am going to quit my job and I'm going to start my own marketing consulting agency. The reason that I decided to do that was because I applied to some marketing jobs for a while and I kept getting the same feedback that like, we, we love your experience, but we'd like you to come on in a sales capacity. You don't technically have marketing experience. You weren't a marketing manager. You weren't a marketing coordinator. And that was really frustrating and hard to hear that I, yeah, it was, it was hard. I had been in the workforce for a few years at that point. And I knew that sales and marketing were so closely tied. Sales is just when something costs money. Marketing is literally the same as sales, but the pro, you know, it's, it's if like the product is free, for example, like the app that I work for now, I do marketing, but what I'm doing is kind of the same thing. It's getting people to use it. So I saw the connection so well, but no one else was seeing that. So I, I created my own job and I did. I left my job in sales and I was so burnt out at that point that I decided to go to Southeast Asia for a month because I really like I saved up from sales so that I could do it. But um, I went there for a month just to kind of get my head straight and be in a creative space, too, because for so long I wasn't allowed to be in that space. And then I came back and I started my own marketing agency and I just started like Basically, I I would share on my Instagram, you know, share my stories, let people know that I was doing social media audits for companies. I I focused specifically on wellness companies. So I was working with like chiropractors and things like that. Um, And I really would advise them. And I would say like, 
let me audit what you're doing now with your social media and your marketing and let me make you a plan of what you can do to to grow and to be successful. I also do every year the social media for the Golden Globe Awards. I'm on their team. Um, So that was very helpful too to have um, as well. But yeah, I basically did that until I had about, say, eight to 10 months of experience doing it. And I had a few clients under my belt um, and I had really shown off that I had done it. And obviously during that period of time, I wasn't making as much money as, especially as I had been making in sales, but I I understood like the short-term sacrifice. Sometimes you have to really just, if you're that unhappy, you got to pick happiness over money at the end of the day, I think. Um, There's some people who don't feel the same way and that's fine, but I I am not that type of person. So then I found uh, my job at Jump Rope, which is a startup, and I found it on a job posting online. And I was like, this is exactly the job I want. It was supporting a food community. It allowed me to still, you know, use my food blog and help other people. And I just was so excited. And I ended up getting it really thanks to what I, I did with my marketing agency. So I think that that was such a, it was a really hard time, but it was also yeah. a really powerful time where I just learned so much in such a short period of time. I had to rely on myself and it was so worth it. 100%. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's so fascinating as well. I remember I saw like a, a, a it was like a pie chart the other day and it was talking about what people expect like 10 years ago. And it was all about like, you get a job for money or no, it's like a happiness chart. But then that you were saying like in this day and age, like the chart should include like your mental health, like your passion projects. And it's not all work, work, work. You know what I mean? Because I think, I think obviously when I get a job, like your parents just expect you, you know, just get a good job and earn some good money. But then if it doesn't make you happy, you know what I mean? You're not going to feel fulfilled. Whereas now it's kind of following what it is, what makes you happy. And I think what you did as well, like quitting your job and kind of taking that lunch. I can imagine that was quite scary as well. Did you have to kind of save up a bit of money kind of before and before you kind of took that plunge where you kind of set up on your own? Yeah, I I really, uh, just like what you were saying with like parents too, to touch on that, my, my parents kept telling me when I said I was so unhappy at my job, they were like, you're not supposed to like your job. And I, w- I was like, what do you mean you're not? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I think parents are like that, aren't they? Where they're just like, yeah, you, well, you earn like really good money. Like you should be happy. But like, there's a study the other day, which I kind of um, read and it basically say once, once you pass about, this is UK, but once you pass around 45,000 pounds, having more money doesn't necessarily going to make you any happier. So a person, you know what I mean? You could be on like 200 grand or 300 grand or whatever, but it's not going to make you any happier than the person which is earning a lot less. Like money doesn't always lead to happiness. It just takes a bit of pressure away really, doesn't it? I, I agree. I think that um, I I will say that I had to save up before and that year that I was at my last job in IT sales, I just said, you know what? I'm going to save all of the commission that I make. So my base salary, I'm going to use that for my normal expenses, like rent and things like that. But every single penny of commission I make, I am going to put in my savings and I'm not going to touch it. And that was really powerful, definitely. And that's what I I would say allowed me to go travel a little bit and allowed me to have the time where I could be flexible and I wasn't just like so stressed. I am a person that's kind of hard on myself though. So honestly. Oh my God, I'm exactly the same. Like I'm uh, even with like the podcast the other day, I was like to my girlfriend, I was like, 
oh, I think I just like sound too nervous on the podcast and I feel really anxious when I'm asking questions. And then I listen to it back and I'm like, I sound absolutely fine. <laughs> like, why? why like, you, you can't do, like doubt yourself. Like, oh, do I come across well? But like, do you feel like you have that pressure as well? Like whether it's on yourself or your passion projects or your job, do you feel like you put extra pressure to kind of do the best you can? Yes, 100%. I feel the exact same way as you. I feel like I always sound, you know, even though I do for my job, especially like I'm speaking on Zooms with like a hundred people sometimes to do presentations. And I, I, yeah, I, (laughs) it's so funny because I used to be so terrified of public speaking. And I will say I'm, I'm really comfortable with it now just because of sales and because of my job and everything. But I still, doubt myself and I still get really nervous sometimes, even if I, I shouldn't. So the best tip I can also give if anyone else feels this way is my favorite thing to do is prepare because if I feel prepared for something and if I have confidence in myself, then it's really hard to feel nervous. If you feel like I know something well, and you know, like I feel confident in this, it's, it's a lot harder to feel nervous. This is that, that is so true. Like I did a talk the other day and I think that was like in front of 200 people, but literally like I, I, I prepped that much for it and like go through the slides and prepping and that when it gets to it, like you feel like it flows off your tongue, you know, like definitely with public speaking. I think like you said, the more prep you do, like when, when you actually go to then to kind of talk about it, the subjects you, you're talking about, it flows off. The, I feel like it just flows off the tongue really natural and then have that confidence. I remember listening to a podcast once and a girl, um, was saying like when when she goes to do public speaking, she goes in front of the mirror and she goes like, "I'm the I'm the real shit. I'm gonna like smash it." And it's just like that self doubt. And I always think like when I go into these talks, I'm like, I know I know what I'm talking about. I've been doing this like for a few years now. Like I I shouldn't doubt myself. And now like, I go in and I'm like, right, this is what I believe. This is what I'm passionate about. And I think I think just having that kind of like confidence in yourself. I was going to say as well, like when I when I heard you kind of speak about like your journey and your like your story, like I felt like you were so confident, like the way you kind of come across and like kind of told your story. So yeah, you shouldn't have any kind of self doubt there because when I was listening to it, even like I said to my girlfriend before, I was like, oh, I think it's going to be a real good podcast. I've I've kind of heard I've heard you like speak before and you're like super confident and. I think it was quite interesting kind of hearing about your experiences. Can we talk a little bit about you kind of grew up outside of New York? Obviously, you're based in Austin now. Can we talk about what was that like? What was it like, the culture out in New York, the food? Like, how was that experience? Yeah, so I I love New York, honestly. It was really cool to grow up around there. Um, I was really fortunate because we grew up in an area that was like maybe 15 miles away from New York so that you could have a backyard and things like that and have like that, you know, the good parts of childhood where you yeah. were, you, you had some greenery and everything, but then you could see New York city from where I, I lived and everything. So that was really nice and it was so, so accessible. Cool, yeah. yeah um, and so it was really amazing to have so much culture and have so many different food options. Like there's some places in New York city that have gluten-free dumplings and have just these amazing plant-based allergy-friendly options. Um, there's places that have like vegan macaroons and all these really cool things. So I definitely, I love it there. I, I make it a point to go back at least a couple of times a year. Um, and we're actually getting married near there, um, next year. So that, yeah, so that'll be exciting, but 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, it, it's just an amazing place. And I always say, if if anyone has not been there before, I definitely recommend. No, I've not been. I'm like, I've, I've, been, wanting, I've been wanting to go now for like so long. And uh, obviously like lockdown happened and I was like, oh God. But now like, I've been trying to like save up. But yeah, I think it's one place like, yeah, I would absolutely love the opportunity to kind of go there and kind of sightsee and yes, experience it. Love it. Honestly, it's it's really cool because I think part of what I loved about growing up there was you saw so much diversity and culture and everything. Yeah. And I feel so fortunate because I always thought it was normal to just see people from every single walk of life and people from all different countries and everything. Um, so it was really just like a very nice way to grow up. And I think that I didn't realize how lucky I was until I moved away from New York. I went to school in, uh, in Los Angeles and California. Um, but I didn't really, LA is very cool too, obviously, and has a, a lot of, you know, diversity as well. Yeah. But I never realized just how lucky I was until I moved away. I agree with you there. I mean, I live in London and like there's so much kind of diversity and it kind of, it really opens up your eyes as well. You know what I mean? Like I come from like a small town on like the outskirts of Manchester. So then to kind of move to London and kind of um, like the diversity and culture and like listening about other people's experiences, I think it does really kind of open up your eyes. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it's important for for ourselves to learn so much from other people and understand other experiences. I always learn a lot when I talk to people who are from different places, different walks of life. So I love to hear that you've done the same in moving to London. Yeah, I think I honestly feel like the podcast is probably one of the best things I've ever done because I feel like not only do you kind of learn so much from other people's experiences, but as well, like, I don't know, I feel like it's helped me so much as well. Like just like, communication and speaking to new people and kind of learning for yeah so yeah absolutely love it and I think everyone should start a podcast even if it's just like with family members I feel like I, I someone said this the other day like if I had a podcast I, I, I just got my dad on the podcast and we just did I did a podcast with my dad he's like I'm not going to share it online but like just by having that I, I, I got a better understanding that of my dad which stuff I, I never knew about like so yeah, it's, <laughs> that's so cool. I yeah. love that. I that's a really good idea, honestly, just to have this like open Q and A with others. Because you're right, even in my own family, there's so many questions I'd love to ask some people that I think it'd be fun to kind of sit down in this format and do that. I mean, definitely with like guests like yourself, like, I always try and do as much like research as I can to kind of get a good insight. But then you never really know what like, the discussions and kind of. Where, where the discussion is going to go when you do it on the podcast but yeah like I absolutely I thought it was such a good idea when he kind of discussed that I would like love to get like my mum on the podcast and talk about her childhood because it's not something you generally kind of talk about you know what I mean about oh how was it like you growing up or you might kind of like skip over it um but yeah just before like the final question was I know you absolutely love traveling and on your recent trip you went to Singapore Thailand and Vietnam how did you find that with your kind of allergies and celiac? So did you struggle or did you have like a really good experience? Yeah, so we went to Singapore, Thailand and Vietnam in late 2019. So really right before COVID happened. And thank God we did because I'm. it was an amazing trip. I think about it honestly every day. And I really prepared for it. I am a little bit type A OCD. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can't tell, uh, so I made a, a spreadsheet and I just 
really outlined, like I did a ton of research on TripAdvisor and um, like some different websites. I looked for people that had been to restaurants who had written, you know, city guides and travel guides. And I basically outlined our trip based on where we were going to eat. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was really excited truly because I was shocked that so many restaurants in like Singapore and Thailand, especially had a ton of allergy friendly options. So, uh, I definitely was really excited to try those places. And I outlined that. And I would say something I'd recommend if you go to a place where you truly do not speak the language at all, and you can't, you feel like you're going to have a tough time communicating is to print out an allergen card. So you can find them online. There are some websites that will help you do it, but it basically says in whatever language you can say, I am allergic to gluten. Like gluten is in soy sauce. It is in fish sauce, like whatever, you know, the most common things are, and it will kind of explain it to them. So a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with the word gluten, but when they see that and they say, I cannot have flour, I cannot have this, they understand it a lot more. So I did bring that as well, just as a precaution to show wherever we went. But I did a lot of research before too, of what are the safe dishes? What can I feel okay about? And um, honestly, it was wonderful. We did some cooking classes that actually I I reached out to them before and they were able to accommodate me for gluten-free. And I'm pretty sure they can help with like nut allergies too. They were just so wonderful. So I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, It's so much easier to travel nowadays than it was like five, 10 years ago even. So I would say that if anyone feels like traveling is stop, you know, their, their allergies are stopping them from traveling. I would say just do your research and be really prepared and bring snacks. That Bring a suitcase of snacks. <laughs> just like a 15 kilogram white suitcase just full of algae-free snacks. Like, yeah, just try and partner up with a few brands. But I'm going to Thailand. If any brands out there just want to give me a suitcase full of food, um, I'm more than happy to take it on. <laughs> Exactly. That's like truly that I brought so many snacks with me and we even found a grocery store in in Singapore that was, um, they had, it was a healthier one. So they had a lot of good allergen friendly things. So we bought a ton of those. Uh, we flew Singapore airlines and they are amazing with allergies. Yeah. So amazing. So just do your research before and you'll be able to have a great trip. Um, and just when you're in doubt, I always say stick to things like vegetables, rice noodles, you know, things like that, where there's, there's no scariness. There's no potential. Like I always try to stay away from sauces. I know you, you must do the same because they could add like peanut oil. Oh my God. Yeah. Like oil is like, oh God, it drives me insane. I'm always like bringing up restaurants and like, I'm like, what oil do you use? And they're like, why are you asking about the oil? I'm like, cause I might be allergic to it. I did really want to ask you as well. I didn't, I forgot to mention it earlier, but like when you went to a plant-based diet, do you feel like it, did it help your mental health? Did you feel generally happier when you, when you kind of went to a plant-based diet? It'd be quite interesting to kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I'm really big on mental, mental health. Um, I tend to be quite anxious and just, I think allergies really do contribute towards that anxiety, but also being perfectionist, putting a lot of pressure on yourself yeah. that can cause a lot of anxiety. Right. So I'm big on, um, doing practices and things that help. I feel like eating plant-based actually definitely has helped me because a lot of foods that are not plant-based that have animal proteins and things like that, they have a lot of hormones in them. Right. So yeah you can buy like quite high quality things too, and maybe avoid that. But 
99% of the time, what you're getting at the grocery store, it might not be the best. So I would say that I noticed a big difference because I I felt like I was going up and down so much with my hormones before I was having like such mood swings, you know, of like overly happy and then like angry or sad. Um, So I do think plant being plant based has just really helped even out my hormones. I actually got a hormone test recently because I do have um, polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. So that tends to get your hormones out of whack. And she, I was really surprised. Like she, the doctor said that my, my hormones are really pretty balanced as, and I'm not on any medication. Normally you have to be on medication and I was able to get them down. They used to be like, so out of balance, so out of whack. That's so mad, she, yeah. yeah. So she, she was giving me some, you know, some credit yeah. for doing that with my diet. Um, but I will say too, not diet related, something that really helps me with my mental health is I prioritize my morning time. So I wake up and I give myself 10, 15 minutes, that's just Lauren time. And I go ahead and I do some sort of movement, whether that's like a Pilates mat workout. I don't need to sweat, you know, it's just something to get movement in. And I swear that has made my days so much better. I am a better person when I do that. So I really try to do that every day now too. That's so interesting because I know I've had these weird moments. I say weird moments, but I've had these moments like over the last like year or so where I just feel like really anxious and it's just like it's such a horrible feeling it's like a kind of dark cloud like over me um I know like some people kind of using apps like you know you've got calm now and you've kind of got headspace have you ever kind of used kind of the apps in terms of like meditation how's that been yes so there's one that I really like it's called insight timer and it's free. It's really great. There's some, some good ones on there. You can find people who you just like their voice and they resonate with you. Yeah. Uh, so I do like that one, but I do struggle to just sit still and meditate. I'm the type of person that I do what I call active meditation or meditation, meditative movement. So in the morning when I do my mat workouts um, or movement, I use, there's this, uh, you can find her on Instagram. Her name is Melissa Wood Health. And she really brings like a meditative state and very calming state into the movements that you're doing. So I love that. I say, if you can find a workout that you can kind of get into a meditative state while you're doing it, that's the best. And then when I do something like insight timer, I actually just go for a walk and I put my phone on airplane mode. So I can't be interrupted yeah. because I struggle to sit still. <laughs> I really do. Check your like, Instagram all the time. It's so funny. You mentioned that insight timer. I used it once. I went on um, to Greece on holiday last year and I, for the, I don't know what it was, but I felt so anxious. I think it's because I'm one of, I, I think we're very similar. I'm always like, go, 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 go. I'm always like, what's the next thing or the next project or the next campaign or the podcast? I'm always just like, I never really have time to just to kind of relax. And I went on holiday. It's probably the first time like, I kind of relaxed. <laughs> and I got this wave of anxiousness and, and I didn't know where it come from. I, I felt physically sick. I remember just being on the beach and I felt physically sick. And I'm like, oh my God, like, like why do I feel like this? And um, I put on one of the, the inside time and one of the talks and one of the guys was saying like, when you've got that feeling in your stomach, like see it as like a shape and then once you see it as a shape see it as a color and just when you're aware just see it as like that shape and color don't name it like anxiousness or just see it as like this shape and honestly like that simple tip like got me through the holiday uh, and 
and by the end yeah and by the end like every time I felt that way I didn't see it as anxiousness I seen it as like a shape and colour and just knew I knew it was there rather than just letting it go yeah that's such a good tip because I sometimes do feel too like what you're saying the the word anxious gives it too much power right or anxiety we're giving it this power of like I have anxiety and that's taking that upon yourself where if you can do what you just said, if you can kind of give it a different name or a different color or just let it be and kind of let it pass. I think that's really powerful too. I like to do a lot of breath work, like box breathing, if you've ever heard of that. No. So, Oh, okay. Let me teach you real quick. Yeah, go on. Should we do it? Should we do it on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. Right. It's so good. Um, Navy SEALs actually do it in the US, like in, in the military and everything. So it's really powerful. Um, so what you do, you want to sit up straight. You okay. want to, you know, just feel you could do this anytime you feel anxious. I actually did this, Dan, when I was having my anaphylactic reaction in right. January because I, I almost lost consciousness. And so I did this to help me stay like awake and and to slow my my heart rate was like really high so it it helped a ton um so basically you could do it anytime you want you could practice it daily and then you can really reach for it as a tool during anxiety but you sit up straight right and you want to yeah perfect sit up straight and you only want to breathe through your nose so you're not going to breathe through your mouth for this one nose breathing is so powerful so what you're going to do Breathe in through your nose for four seconds, nice and slow. And then you're going to hold it for four seconds. We're thinking of four sides of a box here. After you've held it for four seconds, you're going to let it out through your nose for four seconds. Once you let it out through your nose for four seconds, you're going to hold it for four seconds. And then you start again, breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. You can do as many cycles of it as you need. Okay. And I feel like it really gives me this, it, one, it, it's proven that it calms your heart rate and it de-stresses you, but it gives you this wonderful boost of oxygen right to your brain through your nose. And it just helps you just be like, okay, I can breathe. I have control oh. over my breath. I-, I love that. I love that. I'm definitely going to do that going forward. Because like, even like today, even before this podcast, like even today, like, I felt anxious. And I was like, I don't know why I feel anxious. I feel prepped for the podcast. Like, and you just don't know where it comes from sometimes. It could just be like the personal life or it could be anything. But um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I'll definitely do that. So you breathe through your nose for four seconds, you hold for four seconds, and then you exhale. Through your nose for four seconds yeah. and hold for four seconds. Yep. And you can just picture yeah. the four sides of a box as you do it. Let me know if you try it because yeah. I do love it. When, when when you exhale through your nose, do you just hold that for four seconds? Yeah. So you breathe out for four seconds through your nose and then you just kind of hold for four more seconds yeah. once all that breath is exhaled. And you really want to activate like your stomach and your yeah. diaphragm and everything. You want to like get into all those places that need that fresh oxygen. Because if you're like me and you're anxious, you're probably a shallow breather naturally. Um, like I, I don't breathe very well unless I think about it. So this has helped me become a better breather. And I think that it, it helps general in general, just de-stressing. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that tip. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been great. I feel like we've covered so many like kind of touch points um, from your allergy test, obviously lived in New York, like your kind of journey working in sales and marketing. 
um, to like mental health, to plant-based diets. I, I think it's been, it's been a really good podcast. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel, for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that we've connected and I agree. I feel like we have a lot in common. So this was really nice to, to chat with someone too. Um, I'm excited to listen to some of your future episodes too. It seems like you do a really great job with these. I, I also, I try my best. Like, I feel, I feel like this year, like I'm so excited because I felt like when I didn't do the podcast, like um, for about seven months, I was like, oh my God, I felt like it was like a part of me was missing. It was really strange. Um, so yeah, it's great. It's great. Natural to you. So you should keep doing it for sure. Oh no, I really appreciate that. Uh, if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram or you kind of blog and your website, um, would you be able to share that on the podcast? For sure. It's Planivore Kitchen. So that's P-L-A-N-T-I-V-O-R-E Kitchen. It's planivorekitchen.com. You can find me on Instagram, Planivore Kitchen, or search Lauren Amelia. Um, my name is spelled a little different too. So it's L-A-U-R-Y-N. Um, but yeah, I'd love to connect, especially if anyone is curious about health or allergies. I find it so fun to chat about. So would love to chat a little bit more about that too. Absolutely. Thank you so much.